Welcome to Hockey Talk, ladies and gentlemen. At my side here, we have Steve Fitzsimmons. I'm Andy Clark. Behind the switches, we have Adam Oliveira. And we've got another uh, interesting show of a variety of things lined up. Uh, we have a Clark Archives coming up. We have our hockey trivia. Uh, we hope to have an interview in the second half there. And uh, first, we're going to kick it off with uh, an NHLer uh, getting his NHL debut with the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Jake Evans which is probably not a household name. Uh, he's uh, worked his way up after being captain of the Notre Dame University in the United States there, going the NCAA route. Uh, but kind of our local connection is his mother, uh, Dr. Marilyn Kiefer, is uh, a Belmore native, born and raised. And there's a lot of family in the Teeswater area. And I uh, thought we'd jump on that since Teeswater's in the, our Whiteman viewing area. Well, and he scored his first NHL goal as well in his second game. In his second game, yeah. So uh, playing Instant with the Laval Rocket and uh, yeah. So congratulations to Jake Evans, a, a good start to his NHL career and Absolutely, his yeah. family from Belmore. So that's good, great to see him doing so well. On the screen here, uh, we see his father, Wayne, uh, his brother, who I believe his name is Mike, and there's a mother there. And uh, kind of uh, an interesting anecdote I heard from a, a family member of theirs is uh, he actually wasn't expecting to get the call up. He's in his second season in the American Hockey League with Laval. And uh, the Montreal Canadiens had five or six players get hit by the flu. So it was a bit of a, a sudden, unexpected uh, they needed call a up. bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, they, they <laughs> needed replacement in a hurry. So it was kind of on a fly where he woke up and he didn't expect he'd be playing in the NHL that night. So the calls went out to the family. And apparently the father, I believe, was in Vancouver. Right. Mom was uh, in Toronto and brother was in New York. And uh, so in all the excitement, brother right away, once he got the message, booked, uh, booked a flight to the game because uh, he was going to be making his debut uh, against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, turns out, though, the brother uh, booked a flight to Anaheim. Oh, no. <laughs> Oops. So that didn't work out. Yeah. The, then found out, oh, the game's in Montreal. <laughs> so Oops. I had to change his travel arrangements. But that, that Did he make it to the game? Or? Yeah. There oh, was he did? the okay. photographic evidence oh, okay, that the family good. managed to get together for the game. And mom and dad, did they, were they able to get there? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they managed to get there all together. And uh, just kind of a neat story there. And uh, I think we have his uh, stats there, too. Uh, I'll put this on our Twitter account for those of you listening to the podcast. But we can see there uh, he played with the Mississauga Rebels, St. Michael's Buzzers, and uh, then played his four years at Notre Dame. And then with the Rocket there, had a very solid rookie pro season, uh, 45 points in 67 games. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, he, he's certainly showing uh, potential to, to be an NHL player long term without, without question when you look at the progression and, of course, you know, some people um, are late bloomers um, that need a little more time. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to go the schooling route. They want to uh, develop a little more uh, slowly than maybe you would see in the, in the OHL or one of the junior leagues. And so, you know, he's made nice progression when you see, certainly in Notre Dame, 17 points, 33, 42, 46. Uh, then he played in, with Laval last year, 45 points, a really nice debut in 67 games. Um, so, you know, he looks like he's on track to be um, you know, a pretty good player in the long term for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, it brings to mind actually uh, David Poulin, who we've had on our show previously. Yeah, for sure. He's a well-known commentator. TSN, yep. But uh, he actually went to Notre Dame himself, and I'm, I'm not sure if he was captain there or not. I think but he was, yeah. Yeah, and then he actually didn't have much interest in the NHL. It was one of his coaches there 
uh, was going over to Finland, I believe it was, and invited him to come over for a year before he went into a, a business internship. And he said, hey, why not? I'll go over, play a little bit of pro hockey and... Have a bit of fun and yeah, see the world a bit. Travel the world a bit. And he actually had a very solid season in Finland and it got the interest of Philadelphia. They called him over at the end of season and gave him a game tryout and he ended up scoring two goals in his first NHL game <laughs> and then was off to the races on a very successful career where he became Philadelphia uh, Flyers captain. So, yeah. Funny how things evolve sometimes, eh? Yeah, and uh, here we have a quote. Uh, just uh, rounding it up there, and I have a bit of a glare from where I'm seeing it, so <laughs> can you see it okay It was there? one of our first shifts and we got a lot of energy and really wanted to have a good forecheck going, said Evans. Those two guys, line mates Nick Cousins and Thompson, did a great job getting it to the net and I just saw it drop in there. I was just chilled and just wanted to scream, honestly, said Evans. I was just so excited. I'm really happy I got that one and it's a dream come true is what he told the Montreal Gazette. So. And that was after scoring his uh, first NHL goal in uh, Arizona. I'm not sure if uh, Adams played that clip yet or not. but. Uh, uh, the first game, actually, he wasn't on the uh, fourth line. He actually played the first game with uh, Max Domi and Kovalchuk okay. on their wing wow. and got a breakaway on Imagine his very that. first. Yeah, very first. There was a surprise call-up. And uh, he had a breakaway on his first NHL shift but didn't manage to score. But it came uh, right here. We see it in Arizona nice. in the next game. Playing on the fourth. Yeah, <laughs> he could go back to Domi and Kovalchuk and say, hey, you stiffs. Uh, <laughs> I got a goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bump me down to the fourth line and those guys get me a goal. Uh, yeah. I guess you don't want to kid around too much when you're uh, Probably just not. playing your first three NHL games. Well, good for him. So there you go. It looks like uh, we've really well and truly covered that. And he He's got some uh, Bruce County blood in him. So. Well, and you know, he's probably made himself fifty or $60,000 already for three NHL games uh, with the pro-rated contract. So, you know, uh, he was maybe making something like that in the minors for the entire year. So yeah. not a bad way to to round out the salary a little bit in your first pro season. And there he is with the golden helmets from uh, Notre Dame. Your second pro season, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, Jeff McMillan saying that when he uh, got his uh, call up for, he was with Dallas for six games. He only right. played in four, but he was with them for six, right. so he got paid for six. Yep. And apparently the anecdote was, you know, when the paychecks came around, because back then there were still paper copies, okay. and he was like, you know, all right, boys, the beers are on me, <laughs> Bill Guerin. <laughs> <laughs> sort of reached over and showed him his paycheck with a few more zeros on it and yeah. said, no, Jeff, beers are on me <laughs> So, but those six games, I think, uh, went a long way to, uh, I think the league minimum then was about 450. Yeah, it could be. And he was only making about 80 or 90 right, in, uh, the in the American League. So those six games at 440 sure make a... Well, they add up in a hurry, right? Pro-rated difference there, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah ho ho hopefully many more from uh, Jake Evans. and Certainly showing some talent and uh, capability that uh, long-term he looks like he could be a player for them. Absolutely, yeah. Cheesewater has a fairly rich, uh, for such a small Bruce County village, has a pretty rich uh, hockey history, and obviously Aaron Armstrong uh, has added to that himself. Uh, Absolutely. We've also had on our show, so... So that's very interesting. Let's uh, delve into uh, Jake Bomeister a little bit. Obviously uh, a very unfortunate situation um, on the bench of the St. Louis Blues last night with Jake having a cardiac arrest, but uh, um, the, uh, the personnel close by, the doctors, the trainers, responding immediately and getting a, um, a defibrillator on, on Jake Bomeister and, 
and he's going to be fine, um, which, you know, is it just speaks to the quality of, of healthcare um, and, and capability of the doctors um, that the NHL players, and even in junior hockey, we see it too. Mm -hmm. um, so um, it, it's good to see that they're in good hands when situations like this arise. And, and the irony this week for me is uh, we happen to be having in Guelph this week on Friday, Rich Peverly, who went through a very similar thing, as you know, mm -hmm. um, has PEVS Protects that raises money to, to put defibrillators in arenas and different places around Guelph and in Dallas as well, is in Guelph on Friday to do a fundraiser, they, yeah. which he does a yearly and has since his, his episode many years ago. So um, I'm sure we'll have an interesting conversation to talk about that with, with Rich and, and get his sort of feelings of it, it as well. And are, are you uh, interviewing him uh, as part of the broadcast? Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah, we do yeah. every year. So I'm sure we'll My be My wife and uh, fam family are going to be there for that oh, game. Right, so yes. I, I do, uh, it was Pev's Protects Night because right. uh, yeah, we're going to be attending there also. Right, so. for sure, yeah. And of course, we also had Brett McLean on um, from Port Elgin. Exactly. Who his NHL career was... Uh, Cut Ended, short. It yeah. was kind of at the beginning there. He had played with both Arizona and Winnipeg uh, in the same season, and then uh, and looked like I guess was, it was the off season. And you know what? He, uh, he looks like a, he looked like a guy that was probably going to be a twenty twenty five goal scorer in the NHL. It's a shame yeah. for Brett McLean, but he's Pretty, alive and having a decent life. He led uh, uh, the OHL in in goals. Goals, yeah, yep. on a line with John Tavares. Yes, he did. But having said that, though, <laughs> it's still an accomplishment to, to lead the OHL in goals. So. It is. So yeah, that definitely was a and he's doing cut well. Short. He's doing well. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he's uh, assistant coach with the University of Waterloo, I believe, doing was some it? some good things in hockey. And yeah. it wouldn't be surprising to me to see him eventually behind an OHL bench in some form, potentially down the road. So um, yeah. And with Jay Bowmanster, he's had such a storied career, both in the right. NHL and representing Canada. He's done so many things. I guess it's a secondary concern at this point whether he continues his NHL career, but. I, I certainly hope he, he gets to end it on his own terms if he can, but right. we've seen with Brett McLean and, and uh, Rich, Rich Peverly that that's not always in the cards. No. So I guess what would be consolation is that he's done so many good things in the league right. and most importantly, he's a, coming through it health, healthy with his health intact. So Well, you know, obviously yeah. he wants to be here for his family and, and enjoy the rest of his life. and. He had a good NHL career, even if this is the end of it. Uh, yeah. It was a really, really good run for Jake Bomeister, but you never know. He might be uh, able to uh, get a clean bill of health and come back, depending on what the doctors say. But uh, I think we'll know more about that in the coming weeks and months here. Yeah, those, so definitely a very scary situation. That, it was, uh, yeah. And uh, hats off to the first responders that uh, did so ably responding to all that. Uh, do you want to jump over to, uh, should we do hockey trivia? Actually, I just want, before we do that, I want to just talk about the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs trade that they made, of course. And um, Jack Campbell certainly has paid dividends so far in, in the early part of this trade. He's got you know, quite a few points already for them, where their backup position was producing pr pretty well no points mm -hmm. for the, the most of the season. And he's given them a really reliable backup in, in the, uh, with Frederick Anderson down about to come back apparently but uh, uh, Jack Campbell has been pretty lights out for the Toronto Maple Leafs so far so the early returns on that part of the trade are really good for Toronto I think. And of course the backstory is uh, when Kyle Dubas was yep. general manager in the Ontario Hockey League with Sue Greyhounds what was it 11 pieces he traded? It was uh, two players and I think it was I want to say seven draft choices to yeah. uh, the Windsor Spitfires for Jack Campbell and of course um, 
the, at that time, he came in to be the starter for the Sioux Greyhounds and they were expected to go on to the playoffs and do really well and they actually finished one point short of, ironically enough, the Windsor Spitfires for the eighth and final playoff spot in the, West, in the Western Conference. But the goaltender that he, they had a really young goaltender um, with the Sioux who he came in and basically took over the number one job and that guy's name is Matt Murray. So, we might have heard of him. Yeah. So that really didn't work out too great. Yeah. And of course, Jack Campbell has bounced around pretty good. But he found his feet there with Bill Ranford in, in LA doing the goaltending uh, coaching with him and, and basically taught him to be a little calmer and, and how to stand up a little so, bit more. And, and th that style has really served him well in the last couple of years. And I think he's a legitimate number two goaltender in the NHL. And this is a good move for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think. And certainly it's in the early going, it's paying dividends already. Uh, yeah, and in, in something that uh, I think is a little unheralded in that move is A, it was bringing in, bringing in a necessary piece. Yep. Uh, I, I like that they gave Hutchison a chance to develop because he, he was showing signs that he could do the job, but just for whatever reason. Just didn't work especially out. Especially if he had to come in during relief. It just wasn't working out, but at least they found that out, right? When you commit to these contracts, you want to at least give it a chance to go in the right direction, mm -hmm. which they did. And they, yep. at this point, they've given it enough opportunity. They had to move on and, and try something new. So good on Kyle Dubas for that. Um, the other thing that's a little unheralded was the Trevor Moore part of it, because uh, he, he's kind of an unusual uh, origin story in that he's from Thousand Oaks, California, right. which I, I'm familiar with because that's where my brother lives, my okay. brother and his family. Okay. And uh, it's a baseball, football hotbed right and and i believe he's the first uh, la king um player to ever be from there as well yeah um, there's not much of a hockey right like la has a little bit of a hockey situation going on but thousand oaks california n not so much so he's basically a hometown guy because uh thousand oaks is about 40 minutes right uh wayne gretzky used to live in the hills outside of thousand oaks and uh, Tiger Woods used to have his pro-am there every year. So that was kind of the geography of it. Right. Um, so it's about 40 minutes north of LA. He's basically a hometown guy. Trevor Moore's been a serviceable player. I don't think he's been a standout, but he's been a serviceable player. He's a, he's a bottom six player, but he's yeah. a, he is an NHL player. He's, you know, he's a legitimate player there. I can't think of another team in the NHL that would have more desire for him though because he is the hometown guy right so probably Kyle Dubas maximized his return in that trade with LA I think so, so. and that's hats off to that I've been very critical of some of his moves but I have to say so far I'm liking the looks of this one well and it obviously gave him a little more grit on on their team as well and the other aspect of that trade right yeah so nice air on Kyle Clifford right Kyle Clifford, so yeah um, I like it from both aspects Kyle Clifford's already stood up for some teammates and uh, that they just look a little bit standing taller by a couple inches because of Kyle Clifford. And we know come playoffs, right? So they have to get there first. They but, have to get there. But, but I think they're, yeah. you know, maybe taking some steps to get there here. That definitely was a criticism I was hearing, though. People were saying, well, so what if they even make the playoffs? Well, it matters. The team doesn't look like they'll go deep. So they kind of put that, well, two things in place. The backup goalie, because in a long playoff run, when you have a lot of games in a short time order, you need to get have your backup ready to go and uh, to have a little bit of grit ready to go too. So, so. so let's assume that they get in with the third wild card spot or whatever, right, and have to play either Tampa or Boston, right? They can look to a guy like Kyle Clifford who was on a team that was the eighth place seed in the, in the, uh, the conference that won the Stanley Cup with the LA Kings. So it can be done. It doesn't happen a lot. 
but Kyle Clifford was an absolute part of that team. Of course, won two Stanley Cups, but one of them as the number eight seed in the conference. Yes, and uh, another aspect of it too is personality-wise is uh, Jack Campbell has come in. I saw the interview on the first day after they made the deal and just a very exuberant guy happy to be there. He was kind of laughing about Mitch Marner buying him lunch. Yeah. <laughs> that again, you know, with the paychecks. Yeah, a yeah, yeah. little bit of an inequity there. I don't know what Jack's making. It might be a million bucks or whatever. Cry me a river, I guess. But yeah, Mitch Marner's making 11 or whatever it is, right? So yeah, so I'm just taking a peek there. So he's played a little bit with the Dallas Stars there. Right. And uh, did bounce around a little bit. Former first round pick, of course. Yeah. Highly touted, didn't pan out until the last about a year. And he suddenly turned into a, a reliable uh, backup goaltender in the National Hockey League, which, you know, those are commodities that are important for a hockey club to succeed, as Toronto has found out this year without having one. So, And also has won an AHL championship. So right? that's yep. nice bringing that pedigree in. He's for won a sure. world, world championship. So mm-hmm. get on him and we'll see how it bears out. We'll see if they do make it to the playoffs and uh, how far. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, let's talk to Clark. I know you've dug up an interesting one for us this week. Tell us about it. Uh, yeah, this one um, going into uh, Brothers, which is going to thematically tie in with our trivia question after that. Um, so this one, uh, we'll just wait for Adam to dial it up. Oh, actually, I can dial it up on my screen right here, too. Uh, Panthers, Baron scores on his brother and win over the Sabres. Okay. And this is from the Argus Press, which is a Michigan newspaper from November 25th. We're going all the way back to 2003, and uh, it's an Associated Press piece here. So basically just one of those fun stories about a brother scoring on a brother. It um, probably happened a lot in the driveway at <laughs> yeah. a, an earlier point in their career. Yeah. Much earlier. So uh, Matthew Baron, which w- uh, he was with the uh, Florida Panthers at the time, uh, scored his first goal of the season. And sixth uh, of his career. Sixth of his career against his brother Marty and the parents were in the crowd yes and they happened to be there to see it and it's, it's funny you could see you get a sense that the mom uh, Celine was a real hockey mom too because what was her comment there she said uh, well first of all she said over the summer they were nagging at each other about it happening and she said it was good that it was a nice goal it wouldn't have been as as nice if it was a cheap goal. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, if it went in off of his butt or something yeah, like yeah. that, I guess it would have... Right, just redirect the, or something. The chirping wouldn't have finished. So apparently uh, Matthew in the description of it. Uh, by the way, you can read this uh, on our uh, Twitter feed, at uh, HockeyTalk913. But apparently Matthew uh, jumped into a rush and finished off a 2-1-1 nicely. And uh, that's why mom was saying it's nice that it was a good goal, so then there's no debate about it. No. So, yeah. And uh, Marty Baron is a uh, uh, commentator uh, today for the NHL and yep. uh, had a pretty successful career with Certainly the Sabres did. himself. So, And it does mention there, uh, this being 2003, it was the first time uh, a brother had scored on a brother at the NHL level in 23 years. The okay. previous time had been 1980. And who was that? So, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll throw it out there. Can, uh, can you take a stab at it? Who was the previous brother to score on a brother? In 1980, you know I can't I can't say I'm yeah. trying to think who the goaltender would be in that scenario, and I and it's I read just not this, coming to mind to me. Yeah, I read this, so like I, I I didn't have a chance to guess it. I think I might not have got it right away because 1980 would have thrown me off. I would have expected it, you know, earlier. 
Yeah. But it was the Espositos. Oh, okay, yeah, to Phil and Tony. Phil yeah. and Tony. Okay, and that of makes sense. Of course, they both played into the 80s, but right, right. I always think of Phil so much as like the 70s, right? right? Exactly. Um, In his heyday, it really was the 70s. Yeah, right? it was the peak of it, but uh, yeah, they're still hanging around there. So, yeah, that was interesting. The first time since uh, Phil had scored on. Uh, so, so Tony. leading into that, I know you're going to talk trivia question in a few moments about that something to that nature too. But, I mean, do you have a favorite brothers that played in the NHL when you think back to it? Oh, geez. Like, can you think? Is there somebody that you know you admired that were brothers? Brother combination there. I'm going to have to think about this one for a minute. Um, yeah, because you know what, like it was kind of interesting that the Howes played, but I don't know. I mean, the Sutters obviously there was a lot of brothers. Yeah, and most of them were gritty type players. Uh, the Hunters, of course, another yeah. sort of family like that as well. And Dale, of course, had more skill maybe than than maybe what the Sutters did. And yeah, at the top end of it, he was such a thug, though. Yeah, no, I know, but <laughs> yeah. he, but he could score thirty five goals too, Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, he he could play. He yeah. really could play. Um, you know, the Primos were in there. Primos again, yeah. I mean, obviously that hits close to home There's for There's so him. many brother combinations there. Uh, I don't know if I could say favorite. I was like, I was always fascinated with John Cordick's career. And of course, right. his brother Dan also right, was a defenseman right. in the yep. league. And there's tons of stories like that where you start counting up the brothers. It uh, becomes a huge thing. Uh, then, of course, there was the Hull brothers, too. Yeah, Hull, yeah. Yeah, and they're more famous as the, you know, the father, father and son, right? son combination there, yep. too. So... Uh, leave this one with me, and I'm gonna no, I'm just, throw it over to you. What's uh, do you have one at your fingertips? <laughs> not not particularly, but I mean, I think we all have the favorite brothers in hockey lore, being the, you know, the Carlsons. Yeah. From Slapshot, I mean, we all thought that was funny, and you know, they're definitely for, you know, right up there in hockey lore as 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 fun brothers. But, um, you know, what I mean, the interesting thing is. Um, there's so many families that have uh, multiple, you know, two, three, four, five um, brothers that have played in the NHL. I mean, we look at the Strom family right now, you know, with, with a couple and maybe one more on the way. You know, I think Matt Strom may get there yet. He's obviously just starting his career in the NHL this year. Yeah. But, uh, and, you know, uh, Ryan and Dylan, of course, are already there and, and established NHL players. But um, for me, I mean... You know they're they're a, they're a family that I know fairly well, and um, I'm happy for their success. So I guess if I had to pick one, maybe them. Yeah, and I was just thinking, uh, um, uh, Columbus defenseman there, Seth. Uh, Seth Jones. Seth yeah. Jones. His brother, I believe, just signed an. Did he sign an extension with? Oh, Caleb. Yeah. Well, with uh, Edmonton there, so right, things yes. are going yep. okay with him. So. And of course, his dad being a, a former NBA player with the Toronto Raptors, Popeye Jones. Popeye Jones. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go off the table there. I just did a quick uh, conference because we bantered a bit before yeah, the show yeah, about yeah. the brother. Yeah. So I'm just going to go way off the map. Right. And I had a time when I was young where uh, I loved that Islanders um, dynasty that won four in a row. Right. And I was a huge Mike Bossy fan. And okay. Of course, there was no Bossy brother in the NHL. Uh, but I'll go with uh, the Traches. Okay. And that one's just being a little bit obscure there too for so, history buffs because Rocky... Uh, that's what I was double checking. I told you I knew he was a first round pick, and he was. And he was. He uh, was. And did he play eighth overall? How, how many games did he play? Uh, it looks here. Just let me. Um, looks like he played about twelve over 12, two years. 12, yeah. Did he have any goals or? Let me fire it up here, and I'll yeah. let you know. Well, yeah. we know Brian certainly had a lot. <laughs> New, yeah, New Jersey Devils yeah. Uh, is who he played for. Okay. And let's see here. 
1983-84, he had played five games and had a goal and assist. There you go, he had a goal. And then in 84-85, actually, he played 38 games in total. Um, and then he had five goals and three assists okay. in his second stint. And uh, yeah, and fairly shortly after that, he played a couple years in the American League, went over to Europe, and then came back for one more American League, and then for whatever reason was done. Hmm. So 40, or sorry, 38 games. He had five goals. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, well, there you go. That's definitely obscure. Brian was such a fantastic all-around player. Can't argue there. And certainly there was a lot of uh, expectation that Rocky was, too, being an eighth overall pick by Well, you know what? Our trivia question is going to lead into a similar situation to that, but yeah. um, why, don't you, why don't you go with that? Yeah, so uh, and we're going to tell you right now our, our prize is a mystery prize it's this a, week. It's a surprise <laughs> prize this week from Hallman GM. Yeah. Uh, of course, trivia is brought to you by Hallman GM uh, across from the racetrack in Hanover or at hallmangm.com. And uh, so sticking with our brother's theme is uh, the question, and you have to pay really careful attention to the wording here because it says, who are the highest scoring pair of brothers in NHL so history? So two brothers, yeah. Yeah, because in our discussion here, we've mentioned sometimes Sutters and there's been three, four, five, whatever. So it's just yeah. a pair of brothers, two brothers. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't even d d discuss in our conversation there, you know, Henri, Richard, well, and, and uh, Maurice, right? Right. The, the pocket just, it rocket. It predates rocket. us, though, right? Like there's, yeah. It's not really our generation of yeah. uh, to see that. Which, by the way, though, I guess that brings me around to the, uh, our previous last week trivia question was uh, which uh, former Montreal Canadian and uh, Hockey Hall of Fame member was from Mitchell, Ontario. And for those of you who uh, haven't driven through there recently and seen the big sign that Steve alluded to mm -hmm. as you drive into the town, it's uh, Howie Morenz. It is. Yeah. So, and at one point, Howie Morenz was the leading scorer, uh, leading all-time scorer, I believe. Or, nope, I misspoke. I think he had the highest scoring season in the NHL at one point. He may have, But yeah. we were going ba we're going way back to the 20s, 30s there, so. So, you know, growing up, I mean, certainly a trio of brothers that was interesting in the NHL as well, and with a lot of skill, was the Stastny's. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. Peter. Anton and Marion to a lesser degree. Yeah. Of course, all playing for Quebec. In they uh, were they were high end. Uh, yeah. in, in particular, Peter, I guess. Um, and a couple came over to uh, Toronto for a while. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then there was the Inachucks. The Inachucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of of that European influence of brothers. Interestingly enough, back in the day. Yeah, there's quite a few sets there. Uh, it, I believe the Freechers. There was some Freechers. Yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so many uh, brother combos. Yeah, there, it's so. an interesting topic. So yeah, and I just want to remind folks, it's all lowercase. Uh, you can send your answer. Our question is, who's the highest scoring pair of brothers in NHL history? And it's uh, email it to hockeytalk913 at whiteman.ca. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully and be able to line you up with a cool prize. Yeah, and it's, you know, just further to what we were just saying about the Trotchies, it's a lot like that scenario. Yeah. One brother did a lot, the other brother not, not, not a lot, yeah. um, but together they top it out. And yes. hopefully you'll uh, be able to figure that out. Maybe Google it if you don't know, but I think a lot of people will know this actually. Yeah, Google's fair game for this. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, let's take they a They had a third break. brother that, as well that didn't make the NHL. They um, played pro, yeah. Yeah, they played pro, and yeah. he's now uh, involved with an NHL team quite heavily in the, 
in the uh, general manager assistant GM's really angle. So that, I'll leave it at that. And, and, of, and we should say there are, there's another brother too, Glenn, that uh, <laughs> didn't play uh, in yep. the NHL. Yeah, yep, that's had, true. Had uh, foot issues as a child, so I had a club foot apparently, if I understand correctly. I think you're right. But uh, do it, no. And their dad, pretty well known. Pretty yeah. well known, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we're pretty much yeah yeah. I didn't say the give last name. Give it away, maybe I, I don't know. I didn't say the last name. I've seen so. him in a Tim's commercial sometime recently. I yeah, know. we're we're pretty much you know coming to your. So if you don't know it now, emailing know. from your own computer your yeah. entry for get you. Your, get your entry in you. now. We've given it away to you. Yeah. But, and oh, the Helmut Burns thing actually. Uh, sorry, hearkening back to that question, yep. not to bounce around too much, but so uh, I didn't realize, but uh, Howie Morenz, so he broke his leg quite badly which ended his NHL career, but right. that's actually what, he died of that injury, right. um, the complications from that broken leg. So he actually, yeah, kind of an on ice injury. He didn't die in the moment, but mm -hmm. that's what- uh, Complications. Yeah, he, he died of uh, an on ice incident there, so it's too bad. Well, why don't we take a break and when we come back, we will have a lot more on the other side of Hockey Talk. Welcome back to Hockey Talk. I'm Steve Fitzsimmons along with Andy Clark as always. And uh, on the other side here, Andy, of course, the NHL trade deadline is not really that far away. And one of the teams that has made a preemptive strike, aside from the Toronto Maple Leafs that we talked about with the Jack Campbell move, is the Minnesota Wild. And they're a team that really has to do quite a bit more than they've done so far. But this is a start. They traded uh, perennial 2025 goal man Jason Zucker to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a first round pick, a young player that was a second round pick in last year's draft, and Alex Galchenyuk, who has really not panned out for the Pittsburgh Penguins and really has fallen on hard times. He's an unrestricted free agent. It's really more to balance out the money of the Zucker going over. They had to get rid of some money and Galchenyuk's the money. But maybe there's, a, maybe there's an opportunity if Galchenyuk can show the Wild something. But, uh, but obviously the, uh, the stake in this whole thing is Jason Zucker a good guy, a good player that's been a quality 25-30 goal man for a long time. Yeah, I saw a breakdown there that uh, really like within a few goals, uh, Galchenyuk and Zucker have both been pretty similar uh, over their careers. Right. So hopefully this is like a, a case of like a change of scenery will really work out for uh, Galchenyuk. And then Zucker, quality piece. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting season with uh, for uh, Pittsburgh with, you know, uh, Sydney being out and uh, previous to that, uh, Gino being out too. So uh, they often know what they're looking for and they are do. good at going out together. I wonder if they perhaps overspent though, given there's an argument that Galchenyuk and... Well, he's Zucker, a UFA, Galchenyuk. Yeah. So I think it was more to balance the money, but will Minnesota turn around and trade yeah. Galchenyuk for something? I think if he plays well here in the down the stretch before the trade deadline, maybe. Yeah, and certainly that depth scoring is something that's a hot, sought-after commodity. So I think maybe the genius for this is the first rounder. Is is the first rounder, but also just going early, right. because we know now the their things aren't going to get less expensive. They're no. going to get more expensive, and teams right. tend to dangerously overspend on pieces. So by they going do. earlier, it's still possible to overspend, but you have a better chance of getting more uh, what what you would expect value-wise. So 29 points so far for Zucker this year, so. Well, and you look, I mean, who he's going to be playing with versus who he was playing with, with all due respect to Eric Stahl, 
who's a damn, who's a darn good, pretty good NHL player still. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, getting down to the end of his career, he's going to play with either Malkin or Crosby, or you know, mm -hmm. on the power play with you know some some really good players there as well. He's going to have an opportunity to succeed, and he's a grip player too. That's going to be able to dig pucks out of corners for these other guys. Yeah. Um, we were talking about Trevor Moore being a California guy. Right. I didn't realize Jason Zucker also is a Newport Beach, California. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a few. There's yeah. just not a lot of them, but there is a few. Yeah, there's certainly. It's interesting, those little pockets, right? Because you even see in the OHL, right, there's been a handful of Florida-born yeah. players. Uh, so it's, it's interesting, those pockets. And certainly Carolina, after the franchise moved down there, started to have some players locally develop. And Dallas is starting, or the Houston area is starting to have... NHLers develop so that that impact of uh, well Austin Matthews right you know born, born in California but essentially I think it's fair to say Phoenix yeah. a, an, an Arizona guy yeah. raised in Arizona For so sure. having those teams there certainly have uh, created some new uh, sources of NHL players absolutely yeah I mean what are your thoughts Connor McDavid down with a leg injury for three to four weeks it's obviously sent out a a worry among Edmonton and NHL fans uh, in general after you know the off-season recovery he had from you know maybe a more um, difficult injury but again you know is this recurrence is it partially recurrence I don't think we really know completely the details yet yeah. but he's been sent home to Toronto to to work with uh, Gary Roberts Mark Lindsay and his team to, to get him back on the ice and but they're saying three to four weeks maybe more who knows but knowing Connor McDavid, maybe last too. Yeah. I guess we'll see how it pans well, we, out. We know Connor with his speed, right? And but he also plays hard minutes, in that he's not uh, afraid to shy away. We know his first season there, we broke the collarbone, right? Uh, being you know getting into the boards pretty vigorously and stuff like that. And he actually like his time on ice, he's averaging 22 minutes. So by comparison, you know that's not too far above like your Pasternak's and McKinnon's and such. Nathan right. McKinnon's at 21 minutes. Yep. But if, if you do look, like, say, at a Brad Marchand or whatever, he's, like, a full two and a half minutes less per game. And if you prorate that over a season, that starts to make a bit of a difference on wear and tear going into the playoffs. Or another team with depth would be Tampa. And Nikita Kucherov, like, he's sitting at 18 and a half minutes. Right. That's four minutes left, less a game. Right. Over a season, that's a lot less wear and tear. Mm -hmm. So, and then the other thing is this with Edmonton, they've really put their eggs in two baskets. And you know, Drysaddle and McDavid have taken them fairly far, but yeah, that's the danger if you don't have as much depth. So now you're looking at like, well, they've you know what they've had a little bit of success in recent weeks with a call up, uh, Kaylor Yamamoto, which mm -hmm. was one of their Starting first round picks. Through. Fifteen games since the call up, they're ten three and two. And he has 14 points, and he's looked good on a line oh, wow. with Drysaddle and uh, R&H. So maybe finally some of the pipeline of, of prospects that they have, maybe one of them is going to he looks like he's contributing already. You know, he's, a, he's, he's very diminutive, but he certainly has a, a, a world of skill that uh, maybe they can weather this sort of storm for three to four weeks without, you know, going out and making a preemptive strike of, giving up assets to try to, well, there's no replacing Connor McDavid, yeah. but you know, and, and the maybe they need some depth, but maybe not. And I don't have hard numbers on this. So I'm speaking anecdotally. It seems a lot of those players when they first come up sometimes have that big flash. Right. And then 
as other teams get more familiar, they get into the grind of the game, other teams know how to sort of compensate for them a bit. They tend to have that big flash and then, and, and I'll point to uh, Montreal where uh, Kakyunemi has just recently been sent down to right. Laval. He had a good start. After a good start, uh, sent down and I'm blanking on his name right now, but he had four goals in his first NHL game last year uh, with Montreal. Um, okay. And again, he's uh, this year, he's been up and down a little bit. And uh, sorry, I'm blanking out yeah, on I the can't name. Yeah, I can't think it of was a, either, but, but I know. The draft pick was end of year call up there. And yeah, I had the big right. game. Okay, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, they tend to have that flash and then downward. So I don't know if you can count on Yamamoto. Or so, I don't or, know. I, I think yeah. it remains to be seen if. It's kind of like Neil started the year gangbusters. Right. And then it's been very quiet. He's done James very Neal. little lately. Yeah. yeah. And they have Sam Gagne back in the fold there who. He's just not... He's not the player he once was. He's not the player he once was. He can contribute a little bit, but yeah. you can't lean on him for heavy points. The one player there, I'll have to say, has been reliable and well-rounded for them is uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. He's been a two-way player. He's been money for those guys. He has been fantastic value. Um, they, I believe, just signed a, a, an extension with Cassian. And Cassian, they did, yeah. Cassian's been pretty hot. Like he, and Darnell Nurse as well. And Nurse, yeah. Yep. Cassian's having a good season right now. Yes, he is. But, you know, he's had really long scoring droughts himself where, you know, he could add a little bit of grip. I feel like the dollars, though, were reasonable for what he might project to be if he scores similar level to what he is this year. Yeah. I think they can probably, because I think it was, what, 2.9 or something? For, yeah, they didn't it go wasn't, crazy it with wasn't the money. Not, yeah. It wasn't insane. For, for a veteran he, that has he the intangibles. Get, he can yeah. chip in 15 goals, you know, on a, and, and give that grit down the lineup. But, you know, to me, that's probably worth what he's going to make over the term of that contract. And the term, I think, what was it, three years he got, I think, if I remember right? Yeah, I can't So it wasn't crazy. Uh, for a guy that's 29, you know, to me, you know, he's kind of earned it, I think. And he certainly uh, provided um, some protection for his, his teammates. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't have a serious problem with it. But you're right. I mean, you know, the, the wear and tear that he's had over the years, it's going to catch up with him at some point. But maybe they're obviously betting on not in the next three years. Yeah, four year, four year extension. Four for years. Cassian. Okay. Yeah. So he does give them intangibles, but yeah, he does. Yeah. Well, I guess comparable contract would be Milan Lucic, right? Where yeah, similar for a lot more money. They paid a lot more there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, hang on. 2017, he signed a three-year deal. Uh, worth about rounding off was six million. Right, two so that million. That was his previous one. Yeah. So yeah, so he's up a little bit there. He's on a four-year contract mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how Edmonton kind of comes through this. But in their first game without McDavid, the uh, RNH uh, Drysaddle Yamamoto line nine points between them. So uh, in a win. So we'll see how they how they do. But uh, I don't think. There isn't any other team that has the luxury of losing a superstar and having another superstar, really, short of the Toronto Maple Leafs, perhaps, mm -hmm. that you know, has a leader like that that could maybe take the mantle like Dre Settle might be capable of doing here. We'll have to see. And if you talk about that... Crosby and Malkin, the Leafs, that's about it, really. Yeah. And with the Leafs, I'm going to say something here that probably some people listening at home are not going like? to agree with. Okay. So I think some will and some won't. Okay. And... I'm going to say this. If you look at the three big money superstars with the Leafs, to my mind, two of them are harder to replace than one of them. And that one of them 
is Austin Matthews. And I'm not saying, you know, he's a bum. He's obviously a top he's 10 scorer. He's a very good player. He he's a very it. good player. But? But Mitch Marner, I think, offers more because he plays, he's plays the point on the power play. He penalty kills. He's there in more situations than Matthews. And then same thing with Tavares. And Tavares has that quiet leadership that I think uh, is understated and maybe gets overlooked a little bit. But if you asked me, if I had to, you know, if pick, there was if you one had to get that rid of one was going to, yeah, I, I would actually have to pick Matthews. And I know he's a finisher, which is big money, but I would rather have the more well-rounded play of Marner and Tavares than in Matthews. But I guess that's neither here nor there. It's an interesting angle. Um, yeah. I don't think that it's going to come to the, well. Who knows? Maybe it will come to it, it eventually. Would only, it would only, yeah, if a contract if the cap later. goes down or something, you know, and it's just more with injuries, right? Right. If right. Uh, if if Fair one enough. went down to injury, I think uh, they'd lose more with uh, Marner than uh, than if they lost Matthews. So fair fair comment, I think, and uh, you know, I think there's a case to be argued either way there. But uh, yeah, I think, I'm sure. People at home are probably going, yeah, I agree, or they completely disagree. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of Austin Matthews fans, and, and he's right up there among the league leaders and goals for sure. So, you know, but is he more one-dimensional than the other two? I would, I would agree with that point for sure. Yeah. And a, just another interesting piece there I saw on social media was uh, he dresses quite flamboyantly and get on him. I have no problem with that. Yeah, a little but bit of personality. But some people pointed out, they said, you know, like P.K. Subban, dressed in a very similar way and a lot of people vilify him for it but you, you don't hear that Do you think it comes there's down. racism behind that part of it i i, I kind of suspect there is a little bit yeah, because makes people you wonder, definitely it? chirp and have a lot to say when pk suban dresses in an extremely similar fashion to austin matthews and i haven't heard anyone criticize austin matthews for showing a little bit of personality so hmm. kind of an interesting case that way so yeah. Sad that that might be the case, but I tend to agree. I think there likely is the case with that scenario. But yeah. uh, speaking of PK, that you brought him up, I mean, what do the New Jersey Devils do with PK right now? He's not playing anywhere close to what yeah. we think his capability is. He obviously is a bit of an albatross with his contract. Huge what do they albatross, do here? Yeah. What, what do they do? And I can't. What does I, PK do? I mean, I can't put my finger on I don't why know what's things up with have why, gone yeah. southwise or gone south on him so severely. And like, he's just a young guy. I mean, he's what twenty nine or thirty. There should be lots of life yeah. left in the tank there for him. But and, and to have moved around like that a couple times, right? First to Nashville, and certainly he's been pretty whole pro high profile with his relationship with uh, the American skier there. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if does he maybe have t his mind on too many other things outside of hockey. I don't Hasn't know. heard him in the past. I'll, yeah. I'll stick up for him on that. I don't think that's necessarily why. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's just... Father time? Some get there sooner than others, maybe? Do you think? Yeah. I don't know. Because like, he has played a bit of played, a physical game. He's played and, uh, pretty pretty horribly this year, to be honest. And he's had some long playoff runs. He's played internationally. Yeah. But yeah, his numbers this year are just terrible for what, you, like, for what he's being paid. I don't have them at my fingertips here. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, he has less than 10 points, I think, and he he's making whatever, $10 million or whatever it is. So it's it's not near the production you need. But then we see, you know, of course, the yeah. player that he was traded for back with the Montreal trade, Shea Weber, is he gone forever with his injury? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's season ending. Is it career ending? PK's at uh, six goals and six assists. Okay, he's got 12 points. Okay. Yeah, and the team is... 
struggling right there too. Yeah. Um, minus 16, so. Not good. A lot of good young players, but a lot of people thought New Jersey was going to be uh, a playoff team and a good one, making some noise this year. And they I was one of those so. people. I'll, I'll be happy to say that. Yeah. I think a lot of people in, shared that view that I had about New Jersey being write them in as a solid for sure playoff team, but it's just not the case. Yeah. His next NHL game will be uh, number seven hundred. So he's clicking over that milestone there. So right. you're wondering if. Uh, so it's possible. Is maybe, he going to get to nine? Maybe father, maybe father time has uh, caught up, or maybe there is some kind of nagging injury, or I don't know. So I don't know, or, may, or maybe it's a mental thing, and it'll just click again. Who knows? Speaking of all of this, though, too, uh, yeah. Capo Caco was uh, taken second overall. Right, uh, Jersey had the first pick. Yeah. So I haven't heard he hasn't really made much noise this year. No, either. not a, not a lot. He's got a few points here and there. Jack Hughes, a few points here and there. So yeah, really, no. I mean, it's a battle between two defensemen, you know, uh, Makar and Hughes to win the the Calder Trophy this year. I think there's no question about that. Yeah, and that is a really interesting battle because yeah. they're both hovering around 40 points from the back end. Yeah, but who would have thought it'd be that brother Hughes as opposed to his younger brother that would be the Calder Trophy candidate? Yeah, I think a lot of people are surprised by that. Yeah, and sometimes there's an advantage to being a little less heralded, right? Because Maybe. last year there was just so much hype and focus on on, uh, on, Jack. Other, on Jack Hughes. That now, Quinn, in fairness, was the eighth overall pick in the NHL draft. It's oh, not no like slouch himself. No, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. a very accomplished player in his own right. Yeah, and I have to be honest, uh, leading up to Quinn being drafted, I saw him play more, so I had a bit more of a sense of who he was right. than Jack. But uh, Jack, I, there was so much hype surrounding them that I always worry a little bit, right? When the hype bomb goes off, right? Because there's, there's the truly great players can live up to it, right? Right. <laughs> there's, there's an awful lot can't, right? And it seemed to me like maybe the hype was getting loose because there was no other, beyond Capocalco and Jack, there wasn't any other obvious first overall possibility. No, not right? really, so, yeah. Whereas, you know, this year there's two strong candidates for number one um, with Quinton Byfield. Uh, and Lafreniere. Yeah, Lafreniere. But Lafreniere is sort of, you he's, know, ma Lafreniere is going first overall. He's I the think, consensus number one. I think he, sh yeah. he should. Byfield is a rock solid number two. Yeah. And in with Lafreniere, he's been on the radar for a couple of years. I oh, remember yeah. uh, on Hockey Talk two seasons ago mentioning about his him. name. Yeah. So whereas Quinton Byfield really got on our radar pretty much this year. So. Yeah, like a decent start last year, but yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bit reminiscent of the McDavid year, I think, where McDavid and, of course, Jack went to Buffalo at number two. Mm -hmm. But uh, to me, it's a very similar, you know, high-end elite player, very good future all-star franchise player at number two, but maybe just a slight tier below. Yeah. I think it's a lot like that. Yeah, it's been hard times uh, in Buffalo for a while, but uh, Jack Eichel, this year especially, seems to really be coming into his own. There. Well, he's, a, he's an all-star perennially now and going to be a 90-point guy regularly, I think. And, yeah. and he's a big, strong guy who, who can be physical. And he's, he's just a power forward with a capital P. Yeah, his Unfortunately, that team is, has yeah. not really done much. His bread and butter is his wrist shot. Oh, I know. is just fantastic, right? Um, Let's talk about that team. I mean, when you look at that team, I mean, it's a team that I think a lot of people thought they might challenge for a playoff spot. They started like gangbusters under their new coach. 
came and, back down to earth again. And they've come back down yeah. to earth, and they're not going to make the playoffs, and they're going to be out by quite a bit. What is going on with the Buffalo Sabres? I mean, they just can't seem to get over that hump. Yeah, that's one of the most beleaguered fan groups. It just in shows the you NHL. money can't buy you a winner. Yeah. They have a billionaire owner, obviously. Yeah. He's supported them and enabled them to do pretty much what they wanted, but they, the decisions they've made just haven't panned out. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. And, you know, good young players there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Darlene, obviously, big noise, and Sam Reinhart and Jack yeah. Eichel. Yeah. And I guess right there, if you want to look for contracts, uh, Jeff Skinner, is he, was he making $9 million a year? Now, yeah. Yeah, for seven years. Yeah. And but he did score for them the last, you know, last yeah. year. Sitting at 19 points right now. Awful. Yeah, that's like right up there with P.K. Subban. Awful. Oh, it's a huge bust for contract. sure. And uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy VC. Yeah. I think he was... A lot was, of hype behind him. At I the, was going to say, that was day. another one. The hype that bomb free agent was going thing, off. Yeah. yeah, where he... Uh, he he spurned Buffalo, out. funny enough. Yeah. And, then and Nashville there. to go to the Rangers. It didn't pan out for him. Yeah. But he's turned out to be an okay player, like just not a star. He's a decent player maybe, but... And actually another player that hype bomb was going off with uh, a year or so ago was Casey Middlestat. And he had that World Juniors. Well, he came in he at the end well. of the year and yeah. got, what, 10 points in 12 games or whatever it was, and everybody thought he'd be a world beater. And he just hasn't really done anything close to that level of expectation that's established when you are almost a point a game coming in at the tail end of a season, you think, well, the NHL is going to be easy. It hasn't been easy for Casey Middlestat since then. Yeah. And really, he's like a bottom playable player, really. That's about it. Yeah. Michael Froelich, two points in 14 games. Yeah. Yeah, the NHL's passed him by, I think. Yeah. Hard to believe. I mean, he was a really good player for the Calgary Flames for a number of years. Before that, for Carolina. I don't know what happened there for... Father time again for Michael, you know, for Folik, I think, is caught up with him. And Connor Sheary they have on there, too. I thought he was a smart pickup a couple of years ago. but Looked like it, but not. Yeah, it hasn't really panned out either. So who do you trade if you're the Buffalo Sabres? I mean, they have to do something at the deadline, I would think. You're not going to get a lot for those guys. Yeah, no one's... I don't know. You're, t- unless you're going to get into eating a ton of contract, which... Which they may. There's certain situations where that's worthwhile, but like, you're not going to get enough return on Jeff Skinner right now to make it worthwhile. To well, eat. nobody's going at yeah. nine million bucks a year. Nobody's going to take him off your hands. You're at this stuck point, with him. yeah, you got to hang on to him, him and hope that he turns it around. Which he might. He, he may. might light yep. it up again. Yeah, so. I think it's possible. Yeah. He's just a young guy too, right? There's no way you're getting rid of Darlene, right? You're hanging. Well, on no, to him. you can't. And Ristolainen. That's a guy value. that they may have, they may end up moving just to change the deck chairs on the Titanic, if you will. I could see a lot of play- a lot of teams are definitely. Uh, but he's a good player. Want to grab all- him, but will they he's pay pretty, enough? Right? He's just a tier below an all-star defenseman. Yeah. He makes five point four million, which for that tier of player is okay. I think they could get a first-round pick and maybe a young prospect for him, in the right situation. They have such a sharp drop-off there too. When you look at their goal scoring on that team. Oh, I know. So 31, 21, 16... 11 10, and then, then it you know, goes eight, off eight, a cliff. 7 5, right? Marcus Johansson at yeah. seven goals. So There's another one of those guys that just can't seem to get it done anymore. Yeah. Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo Sabres, they just uh, perennial underachievers, it seems. So. so, what are your thoughts on? I mean, when we look out west right now, we have potentially three 
Western Canadian teams that all could make the playoffs. You have a Calgary, Edmonton, and the Vancouver Canucks, which would be the first time that that's happened and I think, I want to say like 20 years or something like that. Yeah. That that w- There's a possibility of it right now. I don't want to say too much soon, right? Because we've been here before you yeah. know, with high hopes for Canadian teams in the playoffs. And uh, Well, they have to get there, obviously, first. Yeah, but they all have a shot. Yeah. And actually, uh, having said that, if we're talking about West, uh, Winnipeg, I'm not sure if it, it got done, but there was rumblings that they were going to extend Paul Maurice. Yeah, I believe that was getting done earlier today. So. Yeah, that's been uh, Adam's giving us the nod that that's yeah, that, done Yeah, I there, did hear yeah. about that. So, yeah. That was imminent. It obviously has been done now. Because that's a team that... Well, you figure they, their defense core from last year is, was absolutely crushed by trading players, losing players to free agency, uh, this whole Bufflin situation that's been confounding with his yeah. supposed injury and, and maybe not, or... And it still hasn't been Not really resolved, clarified right? and whether they're going to put him on... Gonna be, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was suspended, and I don't know. It's all a gray area on what exactly is going on with Dustin Bufflin. So whether they can put him on long-term or suspension or dis- disability or, or injury reserve, I don't know. They'd like to get that cap room to help them in, in this uh, coming down to the playoff run because they're not very far out of a playoff spot. They're not in one. They fought hard. I, li- I like the grit of that team. But when you take your top three defensemen from a year ago and don't replace them with anyone, it's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's asking a lot. Do you think a uh, wise move for them to extend Paul Maurice? Or? Well, I mean, he's done a good job with that hockey club. I think he's got the most out of that team. So I think that's a good good move of get, getting Paul Maurice for a few more years. Cynically, I, I often think, oh, they've just extended a coach. That's usually a death knell. For <laughs> well, they may just buy him out. Yeah, which often happens there. So, um, But I don't have a problem with it. I think it's... Here, here's where I thought, like, he just recently got a 700th win. Yep. Played, coached his... 1500th game right and given a whole lot of noise off of the ice where people are starting to maybe reconsider some things that were really given a free pass in hockey are no longer given the free pass and not to you know get too intellectual about or whatever but this is something that in the corporate world and other organizational world they've looked at where in the past they used to just look for IQ and people used to talk about hockey IQ, but then they started to realize we have all these really, really bright people, but <laughs> if their head's a mess or if they have the wrong motivations or if they're, you know, kind of evil, right. <laughs> kind of evil, you know, maybe bringing someone in who's incredibly intelligent but slightly evil is not really great for your organization. <laughs> Probably not. And I'm being a little humorous with it, but <laughs> that's where my point is they've got a real focus on what they call EQ, right? Your right. social emotional intelligence. Okay. And all of this is a prelude to saying, I think Paul Maurice is someone they can have a bit of peace of mind with that when you hear about his interactions with people, generally they're very positive, right? Where people I would say, say he's professional, He's kind of sarcastic sometimes, but he's understated. But people talk about how he takes his time and does a lot he's of He's very thoughtful. He's yeah. very thoughtful. He, he, he doesn't just give you sort of stock answers, uh, media speak 101, I like to call it. Yeah, it's You know, just the cliches. He really does consider your question and give you a thoughtful answer. And you know what? I mean, you may or may not know this, or the, the folks watching may or may not know this. He's best friends with Peter DeBoer. Um, okay. Peter DeBoer was the best man in his wedding. And, and likewise, in Paul Maurice's wedding, Peter DeBoer was his best man. They'd been friends for a long time. They started with the Plymouth Whalers together, where Paul Maurice was the head coach. 
Peter was his assistant, and of course that led to, he went to the NHL, Maurice, and then Peter has took, taken off with his career as the head coach and then going to Kitchener and with Steve Spott and whatnot, and now they're both NHL coaches and good ones. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's another guy that to me is a very thoughtful, methodical, smart guy. Um, they come from the same cloth, so, you know, I guess we have to give a thumbs up to the Plymouth Whalers for seeing that in the, in the qualities of these gentlemen and uh, them developing in their system to, to be two high-quality NHL coaches. Yeah, so I, I, as far as I know, I don't think Paul Maurice has the skeletons in the closet I don't that think some of so. those other guys like Mike, Bob, ba Mike Babcock or others right. did. Doesn't so seem kinda, like it. So tying them up when things are going, you know, they've had some struggles this year, but they're relatively stable if the players are still positive behind them. And uh, I was going to mention, you mentioned with the Plymouth Whalers, uh, Paul Maurice actually, he goes even further back in that franchise when they were, when they were the... Detroit Junior Red Wings. That's correct. And the only reason I know that is I just recently read uh, uh, Brian Brian Berard's Brian book. Berard's book, and uh, he played for the Detroit Junior Red Wings. He was Red the first Wings overall pick in the OHL draft to them. Yeah, and Paul Maurice was his head coach. That's the only reason I know that is because <laughs> I just, I just finished, actually I gave you a copy. I will. I'm yeah. looking forward to reading, and I haven't had a chance yet, but I look forward to it. Yeah, but uh, Brian Berard had positive things to say about. Paul Maurice too. So. I think a lot of people have positive things. He certainly, yeah. obviously, have been in the, the OHL for a long time, and uh, he's well thought of um, in mm -hmm. OHL circles from his days in the OHL, from his interactions with people that are in the hockey world, Paul Maurice, and, and likewise, Peter DeBoer as well. And I will say this, I'll take the opportunity to uh, pump up our uh, podcast of all this, uh, which is on CastBox FM, and if you search uh, Hockey Talk or Whiteman Hockey Talk, you should find us there. Um, and we actually put on an interview from an episode last year with uh, John Vary, who uh, had, had been a high... Had some interesting comments to make about his former coaches, Bert Templeton in particular. Yeah, and he, he, wasn't, he wasn't criticizing or whistleblowing or anything of that. Just sort of asked the question, you know, what was it like? Because Bert Templeton is considered a legend, second most wins in OHL history. And but a very hard-nosed and an old-school old school disciplinarian word, yeah. would be a good word. And uh, John spoke to that. Like, he talked about, like, if you had a rough game, you... You had you a rough were, practice, You too. were going to have a rough bus ride home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... We laugh, was, but it's, we shouldn't laugh, I know. Yeah, it was kind of good that the hockey world's moving on from that. I know, but, it uh, is. It yeah. is, yeah. It was, it's, there's no place in the game anymore for that. So but, uh, Adam was nice enough to edit up that uh, interview for us, and uh, we put it out there on our cast box. So not only can you catch uh, this week's episode and uh, next week's episode, uh, where we hope to have uh, David Ling, former uh, Montreal Canadian and uh, Columbus Blue Jacket player. Yeah, that should be good. Still playing. He's 45, and he's still playing Allen Cup senior hockey. Hey, good for him. And actually putting up big numbers for the Hamilton team. And you team, know what? He so. must love the game, and I'm sure he'll speak to that next week. So we'll yeah. look forward to chatting with David Ling. Yeah. Should be an interesting interview, and of course we all remember him playing for the Montreal Canadiens. So that is another edition of Hockey Talk. We hope you enjoyed it. We will see you next week right here back on Whiteman TV.